If you'd open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, we're going to keep studying 1 Corinthians 12. Hope that you've had a good week so far. Today is part three of dealing with spiritual gifts. I know, really creative title, really creative title. And if this is your first time here in a while, then you missed one and two, so I'll review just a little bit, but not too much. But we are focusing on verses 27 through 31. So let me read those. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kind of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gift of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to this passage today, we ask that you would give us wisdom, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the Scripture to us and help us understand what is being communicated. We do know that the church of Corinth struggled with divisiveness, and they struggled with a chaotic worship service. But because you are a God of order, you had Paul correct these aspects of their church life. And I pray that we would learn these truths and we would apply them as a church and we would apply them individually and we would trust you in all things. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. When we first got to chapter 12, we began naturally with verse 1. And verse 1 says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. And the spiritual gifts lesson goes from chapter 12 to chapter 13. To chapter 14. And he begins with two reminders that introduce. He says, I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to not understand this, to not have a full knowledge. I want you to, first of all, understand the influence of the spirit of the world. And when we talk about the spirit of the world, we're talking about Satan and his forces and his influence. Before we were Christians, we were slave to our sins and we were walking according to the prince of the power of the air. It says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Left to ourselves, we reject God and his goodness. We take the knowledge and we suppress it. Then we allow the spirit of the world to influence us to do even dumb things like worshiping dumb idols. But we do not have the spirit of the world as Christians. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of God. It says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's making known to us that there is a preventative power to the Spirit. Because we are in Christ, we are prevented from saying Jesus is accursed. 
But the Spirit also gives us the professing power that we can now profess Jesus as master. Jesus is Lord. And no one can do that outside of work of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, who better to teach us than the Holy Spirit? So don't listen to the world. The world will tell you to base things off of feelings, off of experiences, which experiences can fool and trick. Not off of your heart. Remember, our own heart can trick and deceive us. We are to listen to the Spirit and His Word to understand what is true and what is not. You see, there are three differences that unify that's being communicated here. Verse 4, there's a variety in gifts. Verse 5, there's a variety in ministries. Verse 6, there's a variety in produce. But even though there's a variety in gifts, the same Spirit. Verse 5, even though there's a variety in ministries, you have the same Lord. Even though there's a variety of effects, there is the same God who works all things in all persons. The church at Corinth was split. It was divided. And people were jealous of the gifts that others had. And some would promote falsehood, like saying, oh, you don't have the gift of tongues, there's something wrong with you. Oh, you can't prophesy. Sorry about that. I guess you don't reach the level of sanctification that I have. And you know what? Those same lies, they're still being perpetuated today. But Paul makes it clear that even though there's different gifts, you have the gift of helps, awesome. Gift of mercy, there you go. Gift of giving, gift of teaching. There's unity because they're all given by the Holy Spirit. And even though we use those gifts in different areas, children's ministry, missions, outreach, whatever it is, where there's unity. And even though different things are produced, there is unity in the producer. You may share the gospel and someone may become saved. You may share the gospel and they may reject. Well, was your message bad and your message good? No, the Holy Spirit chose to work. So I don't puff myself up and say, look what happens when I talk. No, it's the Holy Spirit that does those things. And, and whether you serve in the nursery or whether you uh, have the gift of service and you mow and take care of the landscaping or whether you preach on Sunday morning, God is the one that enables us to serve Him and there is unity even though there are differences. And then there is one purpose that regulates and it's found in verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That statement, that statement regulates what we believe about spiritual gifts. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is for the church. It's for the building up of the body of Christ. That's what it's there. The common good means to carry with others. It means to, to bring together. And that regulates us because when people say things about spiritual gifts, they go outside that regulation. They're wrong. I shared my friend who said he speaks in the, with the gift of tongues because it edifies himself. Well, why does he say that? Well, because no one knows what he's saying. 
it's gibberish. So no one can be edified because no one knows what he's saying. He should go back to this verse and say, all gifts are given for the building up of others. John MacArthur says that if those gifts are not being used, or are not being used rightly, the body of Christ cannot be the corporate manifestation of its head. The Lord Jesus Christ and the work of God is hindered. And we walked through this in my lesson where we talked about how there are different gifts that were designated as sign gifts. So Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared and hung out and taught for about 50 days on earth. And then he went back to heaven. And when he left, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit indwelt. And while they're in Jerusalem, they could speak in tongues, which was a literal language, so that they could understand one another. And the apostles were given sign gifts so that when they did a miracle, when they healed someone, people go, whoa, what's happening? And they say, I'll tell you what's happening. Remember Jesus? I am his servant. And those gifts validified or verified their ministry. Those gifts, once we had the canon of the scripture, are no longer regularly given. Now, does that not mean that God can't do a miracle? Sure, he can do a miracle. Can God heal miraculously? Sure, he can do that, right? But those are not gifted to us on the regular. And we even talked about the course of history. Adam and Eve, did they speak in tongues? No. Did they do miracles? Did they heal? No. All right? There, there isn't really anyone, all right, unless I'm forgetting someone, until Moses. And Moses did those miracles through the Holy Spirit to get the people out of Egypt. And then you have a long period of time People regularly, you know, was David doing miracles and stuff like that? No, right? So you get to Elijah and Elisha, and they did miracles, a special time. And then you have this quiet period until what? Until Jesus comes. And so the charismatic movement will tell you that tongues and prophecy and apostles and all of these things are regular giftedness in the church. Well, you just look at the span of history and say, well, that's not how God normally operates. Those were given for a very special time. But let's pretend for a moment that the gift of tongues was still here or the gift of prophecy was still here. If someone used the gift of tongues, what must it be used for? The building up of others. And if it's not used for the building up of others, then it is what? It is not being used rightly. The church at Corinth was chaotic. You would get up and you would speak in tongues and ain't nobody know what you're saying. Someone would prophesy, but they wouldn't understand it. It was a hodgepodge of things. And the point is, those gifts are no longer given on the regular, but even if they were, look at that church service. Is it being conducted according to 1 Corinthians? How is this purpose demonstrated? It says, For to one is given the, the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. You noticing a pattern here? Same Spirit. And to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles, another prophecy, to the other, distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But 
one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The spirit gives these different gifts by his own choosing and therefore the building up the body of Christ for the common good. What about part two? Now, my part two may look a little different than Cody's part two. I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to his lesson, but he taught on Sunday. But I'm going to give you a little summary. One body, many members. One body, many members. There are some illustrations that are given. Okay, let's look at this. Verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. When you turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you have died to sin and you have been raised anew. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you are now one with all Christians of all time. There is the universal church and there is the local church. But you are baptized into the Spirit. If the foot says, and this is kind of funny, you think Paul's getting a little giggle out of this. Because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, you're thinking Mike Wazowski, right? He even had more than just that, all right? It just wasn't a big eyeball rolling around. That is, that's gross. Where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Now, I just want you to think of this. Imagine if all of us had the gift of teaching. We don't have that many slots. There's not that many hours in the day. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Just as he desired. There are many members. Those are the believers. There is one body. <coughs> that is the church. The foot, the ear, the rest of the body. All of those make up the church. There is one God, one body, and there is one goal. You see, first of all, the God of omniscience. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Think of even our church. God knew who he was going to be here and who he was going to bring so that the body had what it needed. Isn't that amazing? Each local church, God knows those things and God works those things out. What about the different needs that the body has? Well, we have a dependence upon one another, right? But now there are many members but one body and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Silly illustration. What if I say, well, college group, I have no need of you. But when the youth that we love and that we serve and that we train graduate, 
the college group opens their arms and brings them in and continues to disciple and train them. So we are together. We're not against each other. Dependence on other members. There is a necessity even of weaker members. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Then those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow, bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. So there's even a special attention to what we would think of less honorable members. And the goal here, you have the God that is all-knowing, you have the body of Christ and the different needs, and the goal is for unification. Look at verses 24 through 26. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So we need to view our church as united in Christ, gifted differently to accomplish his goal of unification and edification. So now we come to part three. We come to part three in verses 27 through 31. Verse 27 says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. When we talk about attending church, can you think of a verse that you could use to communicate to someone that it is wrong for them to not go to church? If a Christian says, I don't need to go to church, what do you think you would share with them? Okay, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, right? Do not forsake the assembling of each other, right? That's a good one, okay? Well, think of this. I mean, imagine if your big toe just said, mm, I don't need you guys. I ain't showing up today. That, that's, that's silly, right? It's the same thing if someone says they're a Christian, but they don't want to be one with the body. They don't want to come and perform their function. That also would be sin. You are Christ's body and individually members of it. Spiritual gifts demonstrate our unity in Christ. Now at Corinth, the spiritual gifts were causing, or the way they viewed them was causing disunity. But spiritual gifts demonstrate our unity in Christ. Well, how does it do that? When we look in the mirror and we see who we are and we see our deficiencies and we see our role, it helps us to get a clear picture that we can't do it on our own. We need everyone else. We need everyone else. Go to Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the re renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think, here we go, 
more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We need to look in the mirror of who we are and how we're a part of the body so that we have a right view of ourselves. We humble ourselves and we submit to the good of the body. It goes on, it says in verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, one who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. That is what we're supposed to do. I think of it, all right? You know it's not my favorite sport, but you think of baseball. And you think of it because the Rangers won the World Series. Have I mentioned that lately? Yes. Cowboys. The Rangers won the World Series. In that baseball team, there are some people that all they do is pick up that ball and they throw it as hard as they can. Or they throw it to be curvy and wiggly and stuff like that. Can all of them do that? No, the pitchers can do that. And you have some pitchers that start the game. But then you have others that are just sitting there waiting. And then they go in and they finish the game. And then you have people that catch the ball. And you have lots of people that try to hit the ball. There's all these different pieces, all right? A third baseman is different than a shortstop, is different than a second baseman, is different than a first baseman. The first baseman's the guy that can't throw, all right? The third baseman's got to throw. There's all these things. The center fielder can't be the big tubby guy. He's got to be the speedy quick guy. They're all built differently. They have different gifts. Even in the lineup, you have guys that get on base better. You have guys that hit for power. And then all of those things come together beautifully and the Rangers win the World Series. Yes. Well, the body of Christ, when we look at ourselves and where we fit, I'm not above you. We're not above each other. We're with each other. We're with each other even though you may have the gift of helps and you may have the gift of leadership. But what do we do? What do we do with the leader? We elevate the leader. We think the leader is better somehow. You need both. I can't lead if I don't have people that are serving. We need both. Works with both. Romans 6, we don't have time to go there, but that talks about how we are dead to sin and we are now one in Christ. Uh, Titus 2 and 11 through 14 talks about how we are a people to be zealous for good deeds. And if you're zealous for good deeds and I'm zealous for good deeds and we're all zealous for good deeds, we are doing what we are called to do. Spiritual gifts demonstrate our unity in Christ. Spiritual gifts demonstrate God's sovereignty. And when we say sovereignty, we know he's the ruler. That he is in charge of everything. And he is orchestrating the events of our lives. Isn't that wild? Look, you try to make it through one day the best you can. And God is orchestrating the events of every single human, animal, speck, atom at the same time. God's sovereignty. Well, how does this demonstrate 
God's sovereignty. Verse 28, it says, and God has appointed in church. God has chosen in the church the giftedness that he needs for this church to happen. Wow. That's amazing. He's appointed in the church. First demonstration we see is he supplies the gifts needed. He supplies the gifts needed. And this, to remind you, the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Santa Claus, which God is not Santa Claus, and Santa Claus is not God. Uh, I think people more call him Satan Claus, but I'm not going to go there, all right? Just throwing out a phrase. But we know that in the Chronicles of Narnia, Santa Claus shows up, all right? And what did Peter get? He got a sword and a shield. That's awesome. Sign me up. What did Lucy get? She got a dagger and a vial. Huh? Wow, that's not as cool. What did Susan get? Bow and arrow. No, that's cool. I like the bow and arrow. But she got that horn, okay? Those things work out in the end? Yeah, Peter was using it to fight. You know, Susan's, you know, shooting people in the back and stuff like that. Later, when they need help down the road in the books, they blow the horn. But then Lucy's got the healing thing. So after the battle, she's just running around healing people. Okay? God is the one that gives us the gift. And you're like, well, the, the gift of service isn't as cool as a sword. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. He gives us those gifts. It's his sovereign will. It, it, uh, Paul lists three offices. You see, you have the office of apostle. You have the office of prophet, and you have the office of, of teacher here. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians, verse 12. Sorry, chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles. We know that apostles were those who saw the risen Lord, and they were directly called by Jesus to spread his message. And so we think of, you know, James and John and Peter and so forth. Paul was an apostle. Then second prophets. Well, what's going on here? The apostles came and they laid the foundation along with the prophets, directly revealing God's word so that the people can understand it. And then after that, you have the teachers that take the word of the prophet, that take the work of the apostle, and then teach the people. Let's go to Ephesians. It's just, just to the right. You can do it. I know. Page is flipping. Let's look at verse. Let's go back to verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all things and through all in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Look at verse 10. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And so we have this same order here, this same logical thought process. That was God's plan. The apostles came first, accompanied with the prophets, and then the pastors and the teachers are going to come along and they're going to stay and continue the truth of God's word. But why? 
Why did he give us those? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Same purpose that we talked about, right? For the edification, for the building up of others. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We are not Frankenstein's monster. Do you ever grow up thinking the monster was Frankenstein? Yeah, me too. You learn things when you get old. Frankenstein's monster was a collection of dead people's parts sewed together. Not a real story, by the way. That he somehow brought to life. And it was all like, you know, little arm, big head, all that stuff. God gives us spiritual gifts so that the body meshes and comes together perfectly. And if there's any disharmony or disunity in the church, it's not God's fault. It is our fault. So there are three offices. And then he goes and he lists five gifts. He lists miracles, healings, tongues, helps, and administrations. Now, why did I start my numbering over? The top three were sign gifts that were given during the apostolic age. The last two, helps and administrations, are those that we still have today. The gift of helpfulness. The gift of leadership is administration. And when you look at those five gifts, which ones do you think the church elevated more? The miracles, right? Who doesn't want to do a miracle? Man, who doesn't want to heal somebody? I mean, speaking in tongues sounds pretty cool. I help people. It's pretty cool to me. But they would elevate those more showy type of gifts. And Paul is speaking against that. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's pointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Various kinds of tongues. And again, remember, tongues is always literally a real language. That's what it is. So secondly, demonstration number two, he supplies the the diversification needed. Now, I know that makes some of us cringe when we hear things like that. But what we're talking about is he makes sure that the church has the different giftedness and it goes together. We're all different puzzle pieces that God has divinely selected and ordained. And there are seven questions here and they get kind of repetitive, right? Are all apostles? The answer is no. Okay, so you don't all get to be an apostle. Special time, special place. Does that mean, since you're not an apostle, that you're not as special to God? No. 
Does it mean you're not as important to God? No, it doesn't mean that. God divinely selected apostles. Am I going to argue with God? And I'm going to be upset, uh, upset that God didn't pick me? I, I've said this before. I think it'd be really cool to be one of the two witnesses in Revelation. And then I learned more about the two witnesses. And I was like, that's okay. That's okay if I'm not one of the two witnesses. I will gladly be raptured up. All are not prophets, are they? No. Now, this is a, this is a good one. God... I went, to, I went to bed last night, and God just, he, he spoke to me in a dream. Now he said something. What is that person claiming? They are claiming to have direct revelation from God. And you should say, you know what? You should probably go back to sleep, because I think you're missing, you're missing some things, okay? Oh, really? God visited you and spoke to you in a dream. Oh, okay. Look, we have... God's word right here. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't do that. I'm not saying that he couldn't do that. He can do that, but he doesn't do that on the, the regular. People will say, I was reading God's word and he spoke to me. I'm a little concerned who's whispering in your, like you really had an audible. People do that to excuse things. Well, why'd you do this? God spoke to me and I did it. And I'm like, well, it's written right here. It says to do the opposite. You think you gave me one message and he gave you a different message? And that's why the word is so important, right? So not are all, they're not all prophets. All are not teachers, are they? No. All are not workers of miracles, are they? No. All do not give, have gifts of healings, do they? No. All do not speak with tongues, do they? Now, every single question, the answer has clearly been what? No, but certain charismatic circles, they will tell you, if you do not speak in tongues, then you are not saved. I was talking with some of the middle school leaders and they grew up in a different place than us. And these were the churches they grew up in. And they were like, yes, that pressure was real. That pressure was real. Have they not read this right here? Do they not understand that all of these answers are no, that not everybody has this gift. They go outside the confines of Scripture and they listen to the Spirit of the world rather than the Spirit of God, and that's how they come to their conclusions. Now, again, there are good and godly men and women that are part of the charismatic movement that we love as brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes it's a matter of teaching, sometimes it's a matter of training, but clearly in this area they are not right. All do not interpret, do they? No. So those are the seven questions. And the beauty of it is God has made us different. He's made us different. You think of chess. Maybe you know how to play chess. But all the pieces don't do the same thing. Some move diagonally. Some just move straight. It's kind of a bummer. Some get to move like an L, but it's like three up and one over, whatever, okay? The queen, she can do cool stuff. So I just like to move my queen all around until she dies, and then I'm sad. <laughs> Complicated. But they all have different little parts and roles. It's not like checkers, okay? Never move the back row in checkers. Just a little tidbit for you, okay? He supplies the diversification needed. Thirdly, 
spiritual gifts demonstrate our sinfulness. Demonstrate our sinfulness. Read verse 31. But earnestly desire the greater gifts and I show you a still more excellent way. When you read this, summarize it for me, people. What is this verse saying? Okay, maybe saying doing it the wrong way. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. What do you think that's saying? You're like, I don't want to answer. It's pro you probably think the same thing when I first read it. Just say it. What do you think that that's saying? That you need what? No, no, you're good. That you need what? What should you need or what should you want? The higher gifts. Well, what's the higher gift? Doesn't it, isn't that what you think when you read it? Does that not defeat everything that Paul just said? And then he says, and I will show you a still a more excellent way. Well, how does that jive? Hey, you desire the greater gift. And I'll show you a more excellent way. Why are you showing me a more excellent way if you told me to do this? And you just spent all these verses telling me that there are no greater gifts. Does anyone have a legacy standard Bible? I don't. So we know the New Testament was written in Greek. And we have taken the Greek and we have translated it into English. The most literal translation is the NAS. So our church, we use the NAS 95. I know you ESVers out there. I'm sorry about Bible quizzing, okay? But it is not the most accurate one, but it is a good one, okay? It is not the new invented version, the NIV, which isn't terrible, but it's not as accurate. And then you have some translations out there that they're like, just pick a word, bro. It's terrible. But the NAS is the most accurate. The ESV is also very good. Why do people like the ESV versus the NAS? Sometimes the NAS sounds like Yoda. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's just, it's a little more clunky because it's a little more literal, okay? The legacy standard is the one that came out of uh, Grace Church and all of those guys that tried to take the NAS and kind of tweak it a little bit. Like in the Old Testament, when it says Lord, but it means Yahweh. Yahweh is the special covenantal name of God. I believe they just went ahead and supplied Yahweh. Okay? Just, that's what they did. They get this one right. They get this one right because when you look at verse 31, it should be, but you earnestly desire the greater gifts. So just like in, uh, anyone speak of the Spanish? You do? Hablas Espanol? All right, good. So we're saying you speak Spanish, but did I say the word you? No, I could say tu hablas Espanol. You speak Spanish. 
but I'm not using the pronoun, okay? So the pronoun here is supplied from the Greek. It's very similar. Greek and Spanish are, are similar, all right? The ending and whatnot tell you what the pronoun is. The pronoun is you. There's a plural you that we did not put into the NAS. And it's, but you, you desire the greater gifts. I will show you a more excellent way. And that's how it reads. And I don't want you to doubt your translation. It's really good. It's always very helpful to have the study Bible notes that can kind of help you and guide you through those things. That's why we get together and we talk about the word and stuff like that. Because if it was the other way around, wouldn't he be destroying his entire argument that he just made? Yeah. But he's not making that argument. You know, it's right here. You, Corinthians, you desire the greater gifts. Look, but I'm going to show you a better way. What's the better way? Oh, we get to chapter 13. And it's the chapter of love. You love each other. It, 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 there's no pride. There's no selfishness. There's no jealousy or bitterness. The better way is love. It's harmony. John MacArthur says it's interesting that the two gifts mentioned in verse 28 are not mentioned in 29 and 30. Did you catch that? When he said, all are not apostles, all are not prophets, all are not teachers, all are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not gift of healing, all do not speak with tongues, all do not interpret. Probably the ones least prized by the Corinthians were helps in administration. But clearly, those are the ones they had the greatest need for. Had the greatest need for. Oh, there's my question. There it came up. Good. I'll fix that for the middle school. As we conclude this, spiritual gifts demonstrate our unity in Christ. Well, how do I apply that truth? I am going to thank the Lord for the spiritual giftedness that I have, and I am going to employ it in serving other people. And I'm not going to jealously covet other people's giftedness. I'm going to love and appreciate. I'm not going to elevate those who have what some would deem the more special giftedness. But instead, I'm going to appreciate all of them. Spiritual gifts demonstrate God's sovereignty. How do I apply that? I'm not upset. I'm not mad. I'm not angry at God that he didn't make me a certain way or to do a certain thing. I am going to trust him knowing that he is all-knowing and that he has perfectly brought his church together. Perfectly brought the body of Christ together. Spiritual gifts demonstrate our sinfulness. Well, how do I apply this truth? I have to put off selfishness. I have to put off pride. I have to put off jealousy. This category and this situation can lead people to do sinful things. And I have to commit myself to the oneness of the body of Christ. And we, when we are one, we accomplish much. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, what a great set of verses. So much to learn and so much to apply. And we are thankful that your Holy Spirit worked through Paul to breathe 
these words and this truth so that we can apply it to our life. May we serve you with all our heart, soul, strength, and might, knowing that you are worthy of our praise. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.